You're listening to the Prosper and Flourish podcast where we talk all things wellness. Today we're talking about emotional wellness and the importance of discussing mental health. And we're going to talk to someone that's been in elementary education and school psychology for 30 years. And we're going to talk about cultivating a happy and positive mindset and how to tell if someone has a mental health problem. Uh, We're also going to talk about how to help people that have uh, depression or anxiety and just some tips on how to stay positive when life throws you curveballs. And then also some tips on how to improve mental well-being and emotional wellness. So you definitely want to stay tuned. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Prosper and Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Erin Vargo. Today, I am discussing emotional wellness, and I am interviewing a dear friend of mine, Suzanne Ramsey. She's always so positive and so uplifting, and she also happens to be an educational specialist in school psychology. She has her BA in elementary education with a specialization in early childhood and sociology, and she's been working for 30 years in education in public schools and also in private practice. So uh, that's a mouthful, and that's amazing accomplishments that she has, and she's just such an incredible person. And I decided to bring Suzanne onto the podcast for this emotional wellness episode because I think we need to be more open on the importance of discussing mental health, especially with what's going on in society right now. So I know that the conversations around mental health have been way more open and more accepting Uh, recently, but we have to keep the conversation going and we have to be willing to ask tough questions and uncomfortable questions. And we have to be able to provide valuable information that can actually help people that are struggling with mental health. And it's so critical to our overall wellness to think of emotional health and emotional wellness and mental health and mental wellness. And I think that you know, having these conversations and just talking about things that are a little uncomfortable and sharing this information um, from different perspectives too is very helpful. So I am honored to be interviewing Suzanne on this topic of emotional wellness and how mental health plays a vital role in our lives. So I think I kind of need to maybe um, explain what emotional wellness is. And by definition, emotional wellness inspires self-care and relaxation. It's our ability to find and use stress-reducing techniques, and it's the development of inner strength while still having the ability to acknowledge our feelings of either stress or anger or fear. And while we all know that it's important to be attentive to both positive and negative feelings, and to be able to, you know, process and understand how to handle these emotions. Um, I think sometimes we can't handle these feelings and sometimes our mental health suffers and we can't really recover from the dark path that we've been heading down. And emotional health and well-being are a critical part to our overall wellness. And we have to take that into consideration from, you know, every different aspect of our lives. And when things are going uh, wrong in our lives or when we feel like, you know, everything's caving in around us, you know, usually it has something to do with our emotional wellness. And maybe we're not taking enough time to um, take care of ourselves, or maybe we're not relaxing. And maybe we're just really stressed and don't even realize it. And maybe we've been having all these negative emotions and feelings and are really angry or scared, and we're just like pushing it down. And a lot of us do that. So I think just being open and having these conversations, especially about mental health and all the different aspects of it, are really important. So I'm so grateful for Suzanne for taking time to um, talk with me on the podcast. So uh, take it away, Suzanne. Hi, 
thank you so much for having me, Erin. Oh my goodness, you're too sweet. I appreciate the intro. I am so glad that you are broaching the topic of mental health. It is something that we just cannot ignore right now with everything that's been going on. So thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Do you have anything that you want to add to my explanation of emotional wellness? Because I know it was kind of a mouthful, but just curious if you have anything to add on. Well, I think I think you covered it in a nutshell, for sure. I do think that we need to, um, and like you said, as we're thinking about wellness as a whole, we need to think of our whole selves. We need to think of our friends' whole selves. We need to understand perspective. So I think something I would add to it, um, you know, Right now, empathy is huge because you have to feel for other people um, and we're all in this together. And then the other word I've been saying over and over again for 2020 um, since about March is, um, is grace. You need to give everybody grace and especially ourselves because we, we tend to be really hard on ourselves and we offer grace to others. So, but yeah, no, that was a wonderful explanation. You're so right about the grace. I am, I'm guilty of not extending grace to people recently with my mouth on Facebook, and I'm very apologetic for that. I, I, I agree with you 100%. And in um, the two church groups that I'm a part of, that's the topic, this, the you know, topic for, for this new year, um, just giving grace, understanding grace, um, accepting grace, all these different things around grace, because it is 2020 has been quite the shit show. So being able to have empathy for other people is, I think it's huge. And just, um, uh, yeah, that perspective, the perspectives for sure, having different mm -hmm. understanding, different perspectives is huge. And I think that's something that we're all kind of missing a little bit. So, um, tell us a little more about why you chose your line of work, because I'm really interested in how it evolved from elementary education into what you're doing today and kind of explain what you're doing today, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely. So it was definitely a journey. You know, I always knew even as a little girl that I wanted to be a teacher, you, you know, there was something um, really rewarding, you know, even as a teenager to, to work with kids and they were just so kind and sweet and there was no judgment with little, little kids, you know, so, um, so I kind of started there and I did preschool while I was in college at UF and, um, and I just knew I was going to be a kindergarten teacher forever and ever. I did it for one year and then I asked the principal what other grade levels they might have the next year because I decided, yeah, I think I, I want to go up a little bit. So kindergarten teachers are definitely a special breed. Um, and so, yeah, and so it's really special to be able to do that. I loved it and I loved my little ones. I'm still in contact with some of those kids who are adults with kids of their own, um, but it wasn't for me. So then I just, you know, I kind of dabbled around. I went up and did second grade and then first grade, and then I actually did a little stint in PE. But what I found was a common theme for me in my professional, you know, life was the kids who needed more help, whether that was emotional help, whether that was academic help. I just felt like everyone can teach, you know, all the teachers can teach, but not everyone is comfortable with the tough kids, the hard kids, the kids who show love unlovingly, the kids who have heart injuries, the kids who have those emotional scars, you know. So anyway, so I went into, um, you know, went to UCF and just started looking at their graduate programs and school psychology stood out to me. So within that degree, we did two years of class time and then a full year internship in different settings. So we did evaluations and, um, 
you know, tested for gifted or learning disabilities, autism, all those kinds of things. And so um, I just loved all the avenues that this opened up for me. Um, and I added in my school counseling certificate and things like that. Just, I just loved helping the kids that maybe not everybody saw as a positive. They kind of saw as a burden and that's okay. It's not for everybody, but that's how I kind of got into school psychology. And so I've just started um, contracting with a dear friend of mine, uh, Miss Mary, and doing um, some therapy and testing and things like that. We'll see what the future holds. We're just starting that. But I now work for the K-12 system, mostly with high school students and young adults up to 22, um, working on them with social skills, um, guidance as far as emotional guidance. So I do lessons on that every single week, just speaking into them positivity and reminding them how to be resilient and how to be loving to themselves and to others. So yeah, I am definitely in the fall of my career at 30 years, but I think I've got another 10 in me. So yeah. I love it. And I think that's the age group that needs the most help right now it just my opinion from well and we are our two old well my two older kids and your children are the same age and they've been friends since they were itty bitties so i think um just the experience with that age group i think they they need all these conversations on wellness as a whole and they need it broken down for them because our oldest girls are about to uh enter the world as adults and i think with the pressures of society and the pressures of social media and just all these things that we didn't have to deal with that really take a toll on your mental and emotional health. I think that age group is the one that needs the most help right now and just understanding that there are resources out there and that things aren't always what they seem and social media is, um, it's a blessing but a curse. So I think that it um, is really ruining their self-esteem and ruining their mental health. So you always are so happy and positive. So I'm curious how you cultivate that mindset because I'm finding that, you know, like my daughter, for instance, she's 18. She's usually a happy and positive person, but there have been times recently where social media, she'll just be like, WTF, what is going on? Why is this, this? And then it creates this whole draining um emotional spiral of all these questions of whether it's, you know, what people are posting or how people are reacting to certain things. And I've even noticed right. with my almost 16 year old, the same thing where they're noticing things and they're questioning things and it kind of just eats away at their mindset. And then they are left like, what is going on? Whether it's with the election, there's been stuff around the coronavirus. So I'm curious how you're able to cultivate that mindset um, because you really are always happy and positive. You're hardly ever have I heard you in the, how long have we been friends now? Um, 13? A long time. Yeah. A long, since the almost 16 year olds were in kindergarten. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. So maybe not for 13 years, but anyway, not the point. You <clears throat> hardly ever um, express negative emotions. So I'm just really curious how you've been able to cultivate that mindset. And I'm sure it has something to do with the line of work you're in, but just being able to hear that and like, I need this to help the teenagers when they're dealing with something sure. they, they see on social media specifically. Yeah, for sure. And so much, you just said so much. Um, so <clears throat> in thinking about teenagers, and I do think social media is a blessing and a curse. I think um, we have to remind them and remind ourselves, honestly, that it's the highlight reel. 
you know, um, you know, people don't, and I do it occasionally, you know, the picture that looks ridiculous and everybody looks awful um, because social media is not real life. Real life is messy and sticky and dirty and, you know, it has its moments. And so, you know, in thinking about how to keep a positive mindset, you know, I'm not always positive, you know, my family and just like with anyone else, your family sees the worst of you, right? At at times you show that to them. I don't mean they see that in you, but you know, they see that side of you when you're at your worst and that's okay too. But it's more so how you respond and how you get back on the horse, so to speak. So, you know, you're going to get knocked off. You're going to get knocked down. It's going to happen. And if I could tell parents right now with you know, younger teens, even little, little young elementary kids, what I would do 100% differently than I have done is I would have done less mama bear and I would have let them fail more. So um, it isn't in how many times you get knocked down as the saying goes, it's how many times you get back up, right? So, so so right. (laughs) It's so true. And if you don't let your kids fail, they don't know how to manage it. So an example would be, you know, you have those kids that are super, super bright and they fly along. I'm doing all these classes. I'm amazing. Look how smart I am. Um, And and not in a bad way. I'm just saying things tend to come easy to them academically, for example. And so they go through that and then they apply to the universities and they get in and they're one of, you know, you know, a thousand other valedictorians Mm -hmm. and they get into courses that they have to struggle and work on and maybe need a tutor or ask for help right and so when you don't know how to reach out for help when you don't know how to manage disappointment when you don't know how to manage and get over those humps it really puts you behind the eight ball it really makes it more difficult and so those little things become really big things and they snowball very quickly And and so in adults and in younger people, it can be a huge hardship. And so one of the things with adolescents specifically we need to keep in mind is that that frontal lobe is still developing until they're about 25. And so that part is is the part of the brain that says, you know, let me problem solve. Let me think through this. If I say this, I might have repercussions. If I do um, this, somebody might say that. Am I prepared for that? So we can reason through that um, most of the times, you know, unless we're really in a state of upset. And so what's been happening this past year, not to get all like brain developmental information. Go there. I'm, I'm done. Go there. <laughs> all right. All right. So I'm going to do it. So that, and this is what I tell the teens, that amygdala is the, is the part of our brain, this little walnut sized um, part of our brain that protects us. It protects us. It's part of our innate um, you know, growth in our brain, it tells us when we need to get the heck out of something. It's it the tells fight us or flight response. Yep, fight, flight, or freeze. And so that amygdala puts out those emergency signals and it kind of shuts down that frontal lobe. And so when we are experiencing trauma, and it doesn't have to be by definition trauma that is, um, like you know, is trauma. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be trauma. the big stuff, like my whole house burned down. It doesn't have to be that. It can be repeated little traumas. It can be perceived traumas. It can be, um, this person doesn't like me. I'm fat. Um, COVID sucks. My dad got fired. You know, whatever it is. You know, my dad got in an accident. Whatever it is. And they snowball and they snowball and they snowball and they become so big that your brain, um, and I tell the kids, they, it flips your brain. So it makes your amygdala the strongest part 
which is just reacting. Right. I got to put out a fire. I got to put out a fire. I got to put out a fire. And then that frontal lobe can't do its job. And so you literally, and we, I just did this lesson last week, you literally have to retrain your brain right. to prepare for these dangers and realize like everything isn't life or death. Everything isn't the worst. But when you're in that stage and, and teenagers tend to go there the most because they're so easily all over the place. Their hormones are crazy. Right. So they get in that, oh, hypervigilant. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh, this happened and this happened. The whole day's ruined. You know, and so so telling them like you have to stop yourself. You have to take a second, take a breath and go, okay, what is the worst thing that could happen? Okay, this person's not really in my circle anymore. Will I be okay after this is over? Eventually. Will it hurt? Eventually. Will it break me? I can't let it. And so, because that's what's going to happen. And, 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 you know, it's important to realize that you have control over that. And sometimes we need help. Sometimes we need a therapist to help us get through it. Sometimes we need medication to get us through it. But you need to figure out ways, um, and we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, of calming yourself so that you can get back there. So in circling back to your question, because <laughs> I could go on, but in circling back to your question, you know, it's an effort to be happy. But when you- It's work, it's totally work. Yes, and you know, I do tend to be more a positive person and, and we do have our tendencies and our personalities. And, and I always like to surround myself with people who are different than me because it helps me see other perspectives because mine's not the right way. It's whatever's right for you. And so it's an effort, but you also have to find the things that recenter you. So when you go through your mini traumas, which are big to us, and I always, I like to say when I do my suicide prevention classes, puppy loves real to a puppy. So you can't tell someone, oh, it's nothing, it's gonna go away, because to them, it's the biggest thing right now. And so it can sound patronizing. Um, and so anyway, but back to that, it, it takes effort, but it also takes, uh, I, every single day, I have to recenter myself. Every single day, I have to remind myself, you know, if I have a wellness app, don't just swipe it away. Maybe I put that on there so I could go, oh, okay, quit looking at social media and do this breathing or do this right. meditation. Well, and so. I think part of cultivating a happier and a, a more positive mindset, being that age, when you're talking about fight or flight or freeze taking over your mind, they're just cultivating and developing that as their normal routine. And without someone coming in and saying, okay, let's do X, Y, and Z to recenter yourself, or here's an app to help you, or here's um, some affirmations or something, just go save it on your phone and go back to without having a parent or a caregiver or someone in their lives to help them find a way to recenter. It's really hard for them. So they're not yes. cultivating the happy, positive mindset. They're cultivating the fight, flight, or yeah. freeze, and they're not doing it on purpose. It's just kind of happening, you know? Right. On right. over and over. So with all that being said, do you think that there's a specific, something specific to look for or something that as parents of teens maybe, or even tweens or younger kids, because mental health is something that affects everyone. Is there something sure. specifically that we should be looking for or that, that you could notice that someone might have something going on mental health wise? Is there any signs or cues or something that you can tell? Yeah, for sure. Um, and if we're, if we're talking specifically about people that you know, or people you're familiar with, so, you know, you notice things that are, are marked changes. So are they now becoming withdrawn and not like coming out of their comfort zone? If, are they um, losing interest in things that they used to love to do? Are they um, pulling away from friends? 
pulling away from support systems, um, those are big signs. Um, and then, you know, if thinking about adolescents and youngers, you know, you have to think about what's typical, right? So a, 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 a little bit of angst is typical. Um, not knowing what they want is typical. And same thing with adults. We go through seasons in life where we're like, oh, this isn't working. Do I even want to do this? Do I want to do something different? So definitely signs of, <clears throat> of just changing, just big changes. So pulling away from support systems. So like if it's somebody who was in a community group or in a whatever, all of a sudden going silent or very rarely connecting. Because if you are truly falling into that spiral or that mental health concern, um, getting out of bed can be painful, physically painful. Um, and I've been there personally, I know how that feels. And so, you know, it can be physically painful. It can be um, really difficult and anxiety and stress and mental health concerns like depression and, and things like that. Um, it, it changes the way you understand what people say to you. It, it distorts and they're called cognitive distortions. So it distorts the way you take in information. And it doesn't matter. People can be saying, oh, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, I love you, I wanna be your friend. But you're hearing, oh, they're just doing that because they feel sorry for me. You're hearing, yeah, you're hearing, oh, yeah, totally. And you're hearing, oh, they're just placating me or they're really gonna go and talk behind my back. And that's something I struggle with, you know, loyalty, like that's big on my, on my um, radar. And so you have to find out what your own biases are, but if you, or your own tendencies are. And so with somebody that you know, I mean, definitely start looking for people who are isolating. If it's a person or a teen, uh, a young person or a teen, you know, do they want to quit whatever it is that they usually love, like dance or a sport or art or what have you? Um, are they not finding joy in the things that used to bring them joy? And the other thing is, um, um, everything like appearance eating sleeping too much all of that stuff it, it, it's not always um those are little things that as a parent you might just brush off as oh they're just a teenager or oh they're just you know you could easily brush some of those things off i think as a parent so it's, yeah. it's definitely helpful to know other signs to be aware of i guess things to be yeah. looking for even if it's not your child but you might notice it in your friend's child or you might notice it in just a friend in general that you have. Yeah. So if you have somebody who's usually outgoing and then they become somewhat reserved or, you know, off the radar, you know, that's, you know, when you, you want to just kind of say, hmm, something's going on. And I always feel like if something, you know, if you get that feeling that somebody's off or something's not right and they come across your mind, you need to shoot them a text. You need to do something just to be like, hey, what's up? I was thinking about you because, you know, we don't see our own worth, right? Um, and so that's a big thing. And if we're talking about teenagers, especially, and even the, those prepubescent kids, 10, 11, 12, you know, we discount their ability to understand the logic behind our emotions. So we're all like, come out and play. Well, guess what? Come out and play. Because sometimes if you sit in your room, you may not even realize it but you'll start feeling sad. You'll start feeling kind of like, Ugh. you know, and so sometimes we just got to get up and get out and get fresh air and go for a bike ride or go for a walk. And we as parents need to really cultivate that. Um, you know, and I tell I, my older daughter struggles. And so I, I tell her, you know, if she needs a day, that's fine, but don't sit in it. Cause when you sit in it, you, it's too hard to dig out. And it's it really just like is. clawing, clawing your way out. Yeah, for sure. So let me so, ask this. Mm -hmm. When you notice that someone has 
when, when these signs show up, okay. Mm -hmm. And you notice there might be something going on. How do you approach the, how do you approach that person or what can you say to them that if there's, if you notice they might have anxiety or depression or they're just struggling in general with something like how, what would you say to them to, to broach the subject? Yeah, for sure. And so it depends, obviously, on the relationship. Is it, is it a parent-child, that kind of thing, a friendship? But basically, it's the same, you know, like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about you. I've been missing you lately. I noticed that I haven't heard from you lately or I haven't seen you on Instagram. You know, is everything good? I was, I don't know why I was just thinking about you. Um, and we just did a reboot um, training for all the faculty members and staff at our school and um, K-12. And you know, the, the teachers were just in the chat box like, oh my gosh, yes, thank you. It's been such a stressful year. I wish, I need people to reach out to me. I need people to show their support. Um, you know, and I think, I think it's the same with either. Maybe with a child, you might be a little more specific. Right. You know, you might even say, now I will say this, if someone says, if you look at them and you can tell they're hurting, you need to say, you know, are you okay? And I want the real answer. And we need to learn to be blunt. We need to take away the stigma of talking about mental health. The thing with, um, you know, I do trainings, like I said, for, for suicide through Youth Mental Health First Aid. Um, they're originally out of Australia. They do a great program. And, you know, it goes through how to ask those questions. And so if you get to a person and you can tell they're hurting and they say anything to you that gives you that thing that makes your radar go up where they might say, I'm just feeling completely hopeless. I'm feeling completely struggling. I feel like I have no one. Um, you know, you might need to just straight up say, like, are you thinking of hurting yourself? You know? And I think you're right about the stigma. And that's part of why I wanted to go through the eight dimensions of wellness this second season, because I think wellness has become such a buzzword that people are now just like, it's kind of like become this like trendy thing. And it's, it, it's kind of stupid that it is, but I, I can see it from, you know, the marketing world side being that that's where I come from. But I, I think that we need to really break it down and understand wellness as a whole, because it applies to every person, but there's these eight dimensions within it. And then there's other things within that. It's a very complicated thing once you really start understanding it and talking about it. But when you're talking about emotional health and well-being, you know, mental health is right up there and we can't be physically healthy if we're not mentally healthy you're Absolutely. that's like it starts from the top you know it's like number one you have to be of sound mind before you can be of, of sound anything else you know so i think taking away the stigma and talking about these things and i know it's become less of a taboo topic recently um over the years i think it's becoming more and more okay to talk about it but i do agree with you that there still is a stigma around it and that some people are very uncomfortable talking about it and if i'm not uncomfortable talking about it i've talked about my own struggles i've struggled with depression anxiety and anxiety since i was a teenager i've been medicated for it i have to pop a xanax every now and then or i'm not going to get through certain situations it is what it is and i think we all mm -hmm. need to be more accepting of it and be understanding that we're all different and we all have different perceptions and we all um handle situations in different ways and being that i've struggled with it i think it's easier for me with my teenagers especially to have these conversations because i can relate to certain things but for someone that hasn't struggled with it i think it's a lot harder for them to have these conversations because they don't know they don't understand what it feels like number one 
And when you don't understand how something feels, it's very uncomfortable to talk about. I'll be the first to tell you that. And you and I have actually had this conversation about other topics. If I can't relate, it's really hard for me to feel comfortable talking about it. But being that this is something that I can totally relate to, I totally understand anxiety and depression. And I've never been suicidal, but I have had those dark days where it's just like, no one cares about me. It's judgy. It's fake. You just start questioning everything. And then it literally snowballs into I'm worthless Mm -hmm. and useless. And why am I even doing this? You know, like Mm -hmm. it can go from the most um, innocent kind of thought down to the, what am I even doing here? Kind of thought, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it can happen really fast. So, um, something that I struggle with a little bit is staying positive when like big things happen. Like life throws you this major curveball. It takes a lot for me to stop and analyze the situation and see the silver lining or find the positive in it. And I do very much believe that our failures really are stepping stones to greatness, that we need these failures to understand how to handle things in life. And what you said earlier about, you know, you would have done something differently, letting the kids fail more. I'm very, um, what is that? Tiger mom. Remember that whole thing about tiger mom? I'm very mama bear too. And I've always been that way. And I will say this, my ex-husband and I don't see eye to eye on a lot, but something he is totally right about that I was wrong about is that whole mama bear thing. He was very much, especially not for my daughter so much because she's, I don't really worry about her in a lot of ways. It's, it's the boys that I worry more about. I feel like they're more needy They're They don't handle social situations as well. And so for my older son, you know, my ex-husband would always say like, stop babying him, let him fail, let him figure things out. And I always felt like I needed to, to jump in and help and when I started pulling back, I noticed he would get in trouble more. He talk, he talks, that boy talks in school. I can't even, how many times are in trouble for talking? But he needed that because he wasn't handling it on his own. In third and fourth grade, there were so many WTF moments that I was just like, what is going on with this child? I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm doing with him. I had Mm -hmm. to seek outside help because I, I really felt like I had no freaking clue how to raise this kid. So any curveball that would come, I was there as the parent going, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I have to be this really aggressive hands-on parent or else I can't control him. I can't keep him from making terrible decisions. So I, I, I see it now, you know, being years later, my ex-husband was so right about that, letting them figure things out. But in the moment, you know, there, I didn't know how to handle certain things. So, and I still struggle with like, major things that happen, I, it takes a lot for me to process and break it down and deal with it. So what, what would you say to, how, how would you um, help people understand how to handle these big moments? Like when life throws you a major curveball, like how do you stay positive? Like what are things that we can be doing or trying to do to make it um, easier with struggles and failures? Right. Okay. So yeah. And, and, you know, that question actually goes right back to what you just said. If we've set our kids up where they've had their little fails, you know, and I'm not saying not, you know, everybody gets a trophy kind of deal. And that's okay. That, by the way, I, I know. I, I thought it was great at the moment, but now I'm like, huh, no, you know, not to interrupt like, you, but one of our kids was playing, I think it was the third one. He was playing soccer. And I think he was like three, I don't know, maybe three. Um, they handed out trophies at the end. And I'm like, I look at my husband, I go, why is he getting a trophy? Why are all these kids getting trophies? Yeah. We're like standing in the field making a big deal about why are they getting trophies? They don't need it. I absolutely hate that, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, I feel you. And so, you know, uh, if we 
we bring up the next generation able to talk about their emotions, able to talk about their feelings, being accepting of people who are different, um, understanding that not everybody's going to have the same beliefs and values and things like that. Um, and they failed and they've gotten back up. We aren't going to have to have this discussion as much. And so maybe this is a baby step. You know, I think a generation, my, I mean, I'm 53, a generation I grew up in and just a little bit older than me, you know, we were drinking out of hoses and we were just letting ourselves in. And then we swung, the pendulum swung and we went the other way. Um, so just in saying that, I want to say that I think the more we bring up these generations to say, that's okay, play in dirt. Oops, you ate dirt. Okay, no big deal. Yucky, you know, and not freak out about it, right? I was always tapping their hands before yanking them up before they did whatever it was. You know, I wish I had let them. So anyway, so that goes back to that. Um, so hopefully the generations that we're raising and then their generation after that will be more comfortable talking about their struggles. And I want to just piggyback or go back really quickly to we're reducing the stigma and we are, but we have to keep fighting for it because things like uh, mental health counseling is so rarely covered by insurance. It's not valued in the same way it is medically. Um, when we give a diagnosis, it excludes people from certain jobs. It excludes people from all these things. So we do have a big stigma about it, you know, and so we need to, to level that. Okay, that, that's just my, my little political thing. But um, for our generation and for your generation, you know, we aren't as good at at dealing with these. We're not as good at being resilient. And so we just are need, needing to find that list of things that we can go to that helps to recenter ourselves. So whether it's believing in a higher power, whether it's, you know, crystals and, and, and all of these other things. Yes. All of these other things. You have to realize that you have to come kind of outside yourself to look back in, if that makes sense. And so one of the things we're teaching young people is mindfulness and meditation and it's not like, you know, whatever, it's not incense and, and, you know, no, it's, it's ohms all the time. Quiet time in your mind yes. where you can calm yourself. And there's so much science behind it. If, and I saw something last night, actually, and I meant to actually text this to you because it's totally pertains to what we're talking about. It uh -huh. was basically, if we taught every eight year old how to meditate, what a different world it would be in 20 years. Yeah. Conflict resolution would be yeah. like nothing we've ever seen. Yeah. And I think... I really do think meditation, and I know I talk about this a lot, but I really do think meditation is the key to a lot of things because even like, and for 10 years, I've been trying to be, a, actually it's like 15 years, trying to be a better meditator. And it was only recently this year that I realized there's no right or wrong way to do it. It literally is just being quiet in yourself, in your feelings, yes. in your mind. It's just, and there's no right or wrong way. There's different styles of it. It's yes. just calming your mind. It's literally quieting your mind. Yes. And so there's all kinds of things. And so, I mean, I can give lists of resources on how to find that ability to be mindful. But what the, the thing is, we need to be um, proactive and can't think of the word. I'm we have to be on it. We have to make sure we go back to it. We schedule it into our day like we do anything else, right? So along with sleep, along with and it's balance comes back to balance so yes mindfulness and meditation we need to make that a part of our culture in other cultures where they do that they have a lot less of the issues that we have I know. you know they're they, it's totally different go to other countries where they, they practice this it's completely different um i would say as adults um again balance so finding the sweet spot of sleep 
sleep deprivation is chronic. It's, it's one of the biggest problems we have as a country, sleep deprivation. 100%. So we've got the balance and here's the one I, well, I struggle with sleep. I slept like four hours last night um, because my mind and I have to, that, that's when I know I've got too much. Yeah. I know. No, I know. And, and, but that's why it's important to know, like a practitioner like myself in mental health or like you and just general wellness, like you, you fall off, right? Oh, you have your weeks. So that's always important to know. And like you said, where I'm always happy. I'm not always happy, but I generally find that if I put on that happy side, it isn't fake. Like it becomes real because you're like, Oh, people react to that. And then you feel happy. And it's like the cycle. So it's the same thing with depression. You get into the cycle of gray and dark and whatever it brings you down and it weighs you down. So mindfulness, meditation, um, that balance with nutrition. That was, what I was going to say, this is my biggest struggles, nutrition. Cause I was brought up on the, you know, bread and butter on the table for all your meals. And that, that, you know, Cuban side where it was like, you know, we got rice and beans with every meal. If not, we'll have some soup and that has bread, you know, so it's all of that. So it's, it's getting a balance with that. So, so that I'm healthier because you do feel a difference when you're unhealthy inside your body. So that, you know, getting in with a good nutritionist is so important. Um, and then, you know, um, finding time for the things that make you happy. And if the old things aren't doing it for you, you need to find something else, you know, and if there's anything the pandemic has shown us, it's that we can be okay with quietness. Mm -hmm. And if, I mean, and there are those who are totally struggling in a black hole right now. So I don't want to discount that because there's a lot of people there that are like, I have to be out. I get it. Very um, extroverted social yeah. people. Yeah. Yes. It's and it's hard and it weighs on you. And then it just, it just kind of burns you out. So, you know, so there's that, but, you know, finding things that give you joy. And so, what I even tell the adolescents is think about all the things that made you happy when you were a little kid. You know, did you color? Did you, you know, do art? Did you go out and play hopscotch? Guess what? I don't care if you think it looks stupid, then go in your backyard and do it. Draw a hopscotch out and do it. You would be surprised how happy it can make you when you do something silly like that, that used to bring you joy because you've got those it's you know, so brain receptors that go, oh, that was a fun time. And it brings you back to those. That's why adult coloring books flew. Remember, yeah. like, yeah. Ago, they yeah. became all the rage. Think about it. It is just, yeah. it is a mental well-being thing. Yep. Paint by numbers is huge yeah. right now. Um, also, people, the, the company that has done the best over the spring and summer, uh, late summer here in Florida, but the people who build pools, people yeah. were like, I need to be outside. I need to be active. I want to be in the sun. I need my vitamin D. So all of that's important. The other thing, like, um, this is going to sound like a really silly thing, but, um, I did the reboot, um, um, uh, training with, you know, my work wife, um, and she and I, you know, partnered on that. And one of the things that she came across when we were researching was changing all your passwords to something positive. Yes, we so, talked about Yeah, and so, and I just was like, and she wouldn't tell me what she was gonna say until we were actually in there with 300 people. And she was like, change your passwords to something positive. And we had just done that with my older daughter, you know, something like, I am strong, you know, capital I, so you meet the requirements, the one, so you have a numeric and then uh, a special character. So you could do something like, I am strong, I'm amazing, I'm a rock star, whatever it I is. Am I am. Yes. I am. How about just breathe, number one, exclamation, whatever it is. So you have those combinations you need. Um, and it's funny because we are so in our computers and so in technology, you'd be surprised how many time you, times you use passwords. Um, and so, yeah, so that's another so, uh, another good little baby tip. 
So yeah, I was just going to say, I think some really good tips on, you know, good ways to improve mental well-being. Change your passwords to positive affirmations. Like I am statements are mm -hmm. so powerful because it really creates this mindset of how we view ourselves. So I love that changing your passwords to positive I am statements, mm -hmm. better nutrition, better sleep, and then finding quiet time, whether it's journaling, meditation, um, even just sitting outside in the sunlight with nobody talking to you. Like it is the most peaceful, relaxing thing. It is and not only good for your immune system, but in, yes. it is good in general. It is so refreshing. And, and not just that sitting there, if you're going to have to have technology, then put it on one of the apps, like, you know, Mindspace or Calm or whatever. And it's a great one and it's free. It's one of my favorite yeah, ones. Yeah. Eternal app. Sunshine's another one. They they are Christian based, but they have they'll send you daily affirmations and things like that. But doing that, so you need to put into practice um healthy you emotionally, not just, you know, because we are we can work 24-7 because we can be connected anywhere. So you have to mindfully stop. Um it, it, it goes back to even research when Sesame Street and, and all of that began, they were doing three seconds three second things. And so guess what that did? That trained children to only attend for three seconds. Oh, three seconds. I got my reward. I'm happy. I, the dopamine is released and I go on to the next thing. Now it's Cookie Monster. Three seconds. Now I go to Big Bird. So there's just all that change. That along with stories on Snapchat and, and Insta and everything, you know, we've shortened our attention span. So, so your mindfulness might start out at 30 seconds. There's a website called um, it's do nothing for two minutes you can look it up on your computer and if you touch a keyboard anything on your computer on your keyboard you do anything it resets you <sighs> you will not believe how hard it is to sit for two minutes I make my students do it I'm like all right here we go we're doing nothing for two minutes no no they're like I'm like trust me just do it keep your key you know I tell them keep your cameras on keep your microphone on I can hear you if you're on your phone just so I think it's we're going to put together like a little list with everything yes. we talked about with some resources. So I will, I'll have that up on this mm -hmm. site. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else that oh uh, my gosh. we can, or do you think it's better if we just put together like a tip list? Because I already have in my mind like 10. Yeah, we can put that together and, and put that on out on your website. I think that would be great. I think um, just also knowing that you have to be there for other people. That's just so huge. Our connections um, are so big. And so please, please reach out to your friends, reach out um, just real quickly, one tip and we can put that on there. Um, looking at your uh, contact list and going down and texting every, one person and every alphabet letter as you go down. And, it, and, and it's not superficial because if it starts out that way, it won't be by the end, you know, because you'll start getting responses like, oh my God, I haven't talked to you in forever that's too funny. I thought about you yesterday. And then you're like, huh, you know, and there's a reason you pick that person. So it's not superficial. It's, it's, you know, from the heart, but if you do that and go down and, and I did that one day and I got all these messages back, like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about you in so long or, or, oh my God, you don't know how much I needed this today. Oh, I love you that. Know? I think that's a great idea. So next week I'm actually um, talking about social wellness and the power of online connections, especially um, everything that we're going through right now as a society and how technology has really played a huge role in our lives. And even though technology was already playing a role in our lives, I think for mm -hmm. a lot of people, it has taken on a whole new life, not something sure. we never would have expected, you know, with all of this. So I think it's really important that um, we're having these conversations. Yeah. 
And, and I do. And and so uh, positive psychology is another one. It's in that same realm. And it and and we know through research that when you do good for other people, you feel better about your problems and yourself. And um, it's not from a pity perspective. It's just that, you know, we as humans, we love to do nice things for people, but we lose it when we're stressed out and we're thinking of only of ourselves. So um, doing things for others. And, you know, I know you've got your, you know, the things that you do to, to help the community and things like that but really we need to do those you know pay it forward kinds of things we need to make that part of our practice as well so okay. i can get off on a tangent because don't even get me started oh, it I helps me too to be so long and there's so much science behind everything that yeah like i think it's really interesting when you can get off on these tangents and like when i have conversations with the teenagers i'm like it's science i can show you like there's studies on this you need yeah. to you need to read it you need to look into it it's super interesting yeah. Yeah, it totally is. I mean, look at a TED talk or two or, you know, Google positive psychology. There's a, there's a, a PhD person over in, in uh, Tampa that has done years of nothing but positive psychology research with children and watch them over 10 years. Um, it's really interesting. So their happiness goes up when they do things for other people. I really appreciate you coming on, Suzanne, and taking um, some time out of your day to chat with me. It was really awesome. And I'm going to add all of your information to the um, little tip sheets that I have on the website. That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me anytime. I'd, I'd love to do it again. Let me I know. I think you have so much knowledge and information to share. Maybe we'll do it again soon. Well, I think uh, our brains together is just, you know, that's an awesome Imagine. combination. Yes. So, yeah. Awesome. So, all right. Let's Thank do it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Erin. So I put together a list of tips to help foster emotional wellness. And first and foremost, we have to be able to manage our stress levels. And this is probably the hardest one because most of us are so used to operating under stress that we've just accepted what it feels like as our norm. So meditation is a great way to reduce stress. So are massages and doing yoga and reading and journaling. So we just need to find ways to, you know, manage our stress levels. And I think if we can focus on being positive, like really being self-aware of the thoughts that we have and, you know, saying positive affirmations when we notice a negative thought, it's really hard to do. Trust me, I, I still struggle with this. You know, when I get upset with the kids for something, I'll catch myself afterwards most of the time. I mean, it's, it's a work in progress and it's, um, something that I'm hoping to evolve. But I think, you know, we'll start to create more positive thought patterns and it's definitely beneficial for us to just be self-aware of these things. And it's, it's really challenging, but I think if we at least put the intention there and we try to focus on it, it'll make it a little bit easier. And something else is, you know, it'll help us um, create, you know, balance with our thoughts. You know, we have a bad thought, but then we think of a good thought or we have a good thought and then we're grateful for it. And, you know, you have a negative thought and you're like, wow, I need to rein that in and replace it with a positive thought or a positive mantra or affirmation that you can say. So um, back to gratitude for a second, you know, having a gratitude practice or even starting a meditation practice or um, quiet prayer time every day or even just like journaling, all these things have been proven to help with mental health and emotional fitness. So I think it's important that we um, seek the these different things that we can easily attain. I mean, we have to just... Um, find them, find what works for us, look for them, look for what 
uh, fits into your life. Maybe um, a meditation practice doesn't fit into your life, but maybe quiet time every day praying does. And maybe a gratitude practice, you know, um, via paper and pen doesn't work, but maybe having an app on your phone does. We just need to seek these things out and we need to figure out how it fits into our lives. And then something else we really need to work on is getting good sleep. It is crucial to our mood and our emotions. You know how toddlers get when they don't take a nap. And my husband will tell you he is always trying to nap the three and a half year old. And I'm always like, ah, whatever, let him go. And then by six o'clock, he's, you know, hell on wheels. So good sleep is crucial. And as adults, you know, we need seven to nine hours of sleep, period. No questions asked. We need it. You know, you can operate on five or six hours every now and then, but once that becomes your norm, you're really doing your body a disservice and you're really underestimating the power of getting good sleep. And um, something else is moving our bodies or getting outdoors for like some vitamin D, fresh air, you know, it boosts endorphins. It also boosts the production of serotonin and melatonin. So we need these things to not only boost our immune system, but also to boost our emotional wellness. So um, I'll leave you with this last little tip on how to increase your emotional wellness. And that is through food, like real food, good food, healthy food, literally real food is, is what I'm talking about because having a healthier diet has huge impacts on our bodies, even on a cellular level, like the food we eat literally changes our cells. And whether it's Good food, you know, sending good messages to yourselves or bad food, sending bad messages to yourselves. Um, This is a topic for another podcast. I'm going to devote several episodes actually to food, but I just want you to know that you, you literally are what you eat and it's not just an expression, like there's science behind it. And I'm a huge science geek, so... Um, you need to look some of this stuff up. You need to do like legitimate research if, if you're intrigued by that, like it's, it's legit. So let me sum that up really quickly. Tips to foster emotional wellness, manage your stress, be positive, have a gratitude practice or quiet time or journaling or uh, meditation practice, something like that. Get good sleep, move your body, get outside and eat real food. So um, I'm going to leave you with that. As always, I hope you find something in this podcast that can help you prosper and flourish in life. And if you are loving the Prosper and Flourish podcast, please, please, please share it with a friend. Leave me a review. You can follow along on Instagram too, at Prosper and Flourish. I thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have a happy Monday and a fabulous week if you're listening to this later in the week. And remember, emotional well-being and mental health need more sunlight, more candor, and more unashamed conversation. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>